Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the IC Old People podcast. Today is January 20th, 2022. Uh, we're finishing the second year of the Age of Madness. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the elephant in the room right now and I'm going to just push him over to the corner a little bit, talk a little bit about life and try to um, experience something real here instead of all the BS and bullshit that we're seeing all around the world. Uh, the age of madness is, uh, I think it's coming to a peak. I think things are going to change drastically in the next little while. I just, I'm just praying for that. And I'm not a religious man. Uh, stay healthy. The most important thing right now is to stay healthy. It's January. I'm in Canada. I'm in Ontario, Canada in beautiful Norfolk County on the north shore of Lake Erie. What I did today to stay healthy is I've already done my stretching. I did uh, exercise. I walked my dog. I took my vitamin C. I took my vitamin D. As well, I take a product called NAC, uh, N-acetyl-L-cysteine. It's a precursor to glothamine. It's, uh, glothamine is a product in your immune system that helps you take care of the big things inside you like um, anything that is shouldn't be inside your body it's it, it, think of macrophages that come and eat eat things in your bloodstream well it's the same idea so it helps you to get rid of toxins i hate the word toxins because it's 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 such an alternative word buzzword but it helps you get rid of uh, heavy metals uh, anything that's in your body that you sh that shouldn't be there so if there's something in your body that you think shouldn't be there the product nac is a really really good product but make sure you take a lot of vitamin c and you make sure you take a lot of uh, vitamin d very very important so uh, it is minus 13 degrees celsius here today so it's a true canadian winter Although I live in one of the most southern parts of Canada, it is quite cold here. Minus 13 Celsius is the same as 8 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so for all my uh, listeners in the Philippines and in Arizona, uh, places that maybe don't do metric, I think they're the last two places on earth is uh, the U.S. and the Philippines. Uh, otherwise, um, everyone pretty understands pretty much understands uh, Celsius. In winter, I really like the Celsius. I, I like it that it's minus 13. I have a sense of what that means. Uh, in the in the summertime, I kind of like hearing it in Fahrenheit. I like to hear that it's almost 100 degrees or that, you know, it's 99 degrees or it's 95 out there. So it just doesn't sound the same as uh, it's plus 30. You know, it just doesn't sound the same. So a plus 30 is a great day in, in a Canadian summer. But uh, you say, oh, it's 95 degrees, and somehow that just feels warmer. Yeah, so here we are, and we're carrying on. It's, it's 2022. I've gotten through 19 complete months of, of continuous, uh, with continuously without having a drink of any type whatsoever. I remember last time when I, when I was ending my podcast, actually when I was beginning my podcast, I was talking about a health issue I was having, and I was kind of emotional at the time. I didn't talk about it at the end, so I'm just going to say now that um, I'm glad I didn't talk about it because I was really living in fear during that last podcast. Things are different now. I've got the results. I had a, um, a CT scan. My father died of pancreatic cancer in 1999 at the age of 69. He'll be gone 23 years now uh, this coming March. So I'm very much like him. I look like him, my body size, my body type, everything. And uh, I started getting some really extreme back pain in, underneath the shoulder blade. 
and a lot of stomach problems and uh, weakness, tons of weakness. This all happened back in um, November, December. I was really convinced that I had pancreatic cancer. I was really convinced. I, I literally was uh, checking out mentally. But, uh, you know, the results came back that I have an atrophine pancreas. So that basically means that my pancreas, like my dad's pancreas, is no, not a very good one, but it's not cancer. What it is, is uh, it's just not functioning as well as it could be. Uh, so in the future, I may have to take some digestive enzymes, maybe, uh, possibly, that they really don't know. The term atrophy is really vague. Uh, it just means it's not robust and functioning the way it should be. And then, of course, uh, the pancreas creates insulin. So I've, I've taken some steps. Oh, I also was having some weight loss during that time, which was concerning me. So I really, really thought I had cancer. So, oh, my God, thank God I don't have that thought anymore. I'm embracing my weight loss now because the way I've done my weight loss, and I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I weighed in the other day at 225. Like, that's really low for me. Uh, so it's really good. Like almost all my gut is gone. When I started this podcast, I was in the 250 range. So, you know, that's that's a big drop. Anyway, uh, it, but the way I dropped it was was I've gone to an intermittent fasting type of a diet. I don't eat until about six o'clock at night. So I haven't eaten anything this morning. I just have coffee, black coffee usually, sometimes a little cream in it. Function throughout the day without eating. Six o'clock to about nine o'clock is when I eat. So I eat during a three hour period every day. And my weight has just been falling off and I easily do it. And I really believe that, uh, and I have researched this, I don't just believe it, but, uh, but the intermittent fasting will really help the way I uh, process insulin. So I, because my pancreas is atrophying and is kind of failing, uh, me being able to process insulin really, really well and efficiently is important. So I want the weight loss. I want the intermittent fasting. It's working out really, really well for me. I want to talk about my, my a new listener who's come on board. And it's really nice because I got a little note from her on my 19th um, birthday, my 19th month of, uh, of not drinking. She sent me a little note. And she signed it YLL, your loyal listener. And she really is my uh, loyal listener. She downloaded my entire catalog, which is about 65 episodes now. Listen to them from uh, chronologically, listen to them from beginning to end, sent me comments about them, interacted with me. So she is really my most loyal listener. So YLL, I like the way she signed that, your loyal listener, but I can't keep calling her YLL. And I think it looks like Yali. So I'm going to call her Yali, my most loyal listener, Yali, Y-L-L. So Yali, welcome on board. And also welcome back to the snowbirds in Arizona. I notice you guys show up just right around now. So I have a feeling you guys are from Ontario. Oh, that's the other thing that I wanted to mention. My, my Yali, the, your loyal listener, Yali is from Ontario, which is really good because my last uh, really loyal listener was from France, the last person who downloaded my entire catalog and listened to it. And I noticed France was back too. So welcome France, Arizona, and uh, everyone else who's listening today. So I was telling you that I was moving. We were moving from the uh, drugstore plaza that we were in, our office. We really weren't a good fit. You know, we're pretty natural. Uh, the mask mandate over the last two years is just unbearable. Like I had to wear a mask to go from my office to the washroom. And, you know, these were house rules. So I had to do it. And so it's nice to be out of there. And so we have our own place now. Uh, beautiful cottage, triple brick wall cottage, 100 years old, uh, front entrance, side rooms, back rooms, very beautiful uh, cottage. Uh, we're converting it right now. 
12 foot ceilings, 10 foot windows, just beautiful, but it just isn't ready yet. So I'm, I'm doing my, uh, my podcast today from home and uh, it's kind of neat. So I want to describe what I'm seeing here in January in Canada, in Ontario. Uh, there's snow covering all of everything. There's snow covering everything except walkways, which have been cleared and driveways, which have been cleared. The sun is very, very bright. It seems even brighter because the sun is bouncing off the white snow everywhere. There's snow on the rooftops. There's uh, cars that haven't been brushed off from yesterday's snow, um, have snow still on top of them. And uh, as well, there's more snow coming. I'm looking around my house and I see there's the crossword puzzle here set up on the table to do. That's a real Canadian winter activity. Uh, we've been stuck in the house, of course. Uh, Age of Madness has really been uh, squeezing us tight. And uh, it, it's, it's not terrible because I, I am here. I have my wife with me. I've been busy with renovating the office, which is good. And so we're doing what we can to stay healthy, to stay active and to stay positive and, and to fight this, uh, this scourge that is, that is trying to uh, destroy our lives. So one of the things I had to do when we moved out of the old office and boxed it all up and I brought a bunch of stuff home and in one of the boxes, I found the tribute that I had sent to my father uh, into the newspaper back then when people used to do stuff like that in 1999 after he died because there was a poem that I, I really loved. I absolutely loved this poem. I just want to read it to you now, okay? It's called Potato Field. When I have to die, I want to die after ice out after the ground has thawed, on the kind of damp day when you can smell loam in the air. And I would like to be buried in Maine, in one of the potato fields that fed my great-grandparents. I'd like for my sister to pick up her guitar and sing one of her traveling songs, while my children take shovels in their hands and dig a deep, deep hole. Please don't put me in a box and let there be no fancy flowers. Just close my eyes and cover me with rich soil that has grown potatoes. Let me become brown and thick-skinned. Let me grow full of starch. Then take me out of the ground, hold me in your bare hands, and let me feed you. I love that poem. It's negli I'm negligent to not have the author handy. I'm very, very sorry. I'll try to put that in the notes. Uh, otherwise, I'll have, have it for you the next time I talk to you. Uh, it's from a Mennonite uh, poet from uh, northern uh, U.S. around uh, in the Pennsylvania area. I thought I had cancer. Anyway, my son started to refer to this podcast as the lazy man's biography. So I thought I'd better get busy with it and do a little bit of biography. So I want to talk about my youth. I, I grew up in uh, my youth. I grew up in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And at the time when I, I was born in 1959, uh, Thunder Bay was called uh, Port Arthur at that time. Uh, they were, it was the Twin Cities and they were on the North Shore Lake Superior. Very, quite a bit farther north than where I live now. Beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world. It is spectacular to say the least, the mountains around it. And the bay that Thunder Bay is located in is called Thunder Bay. It's a giant bay with a peninsula that travels 30 kilometers around to form a bay that's you know 30 kilometers long. That's why Thunder Bay is there because it's sheltered from, from the massive lake of you know Lake Superior. So I grew up in Port Arthur and Port Arthur's on the north side. It was a more mountainous side of the Twin Cities. Uh, Fort William was uh, the flatter side and it was down closer to the water level. 
And they were really divided. When I was a kid, we would drive from Port Arthur to Fort William, and there was a, just a, like a little gateway that said, welcome to Fort William. And then when you went the other way, it said, welcome to Port Arthur. And that's really all it was. It was and now, of course, the city of Thunder Bay, the, the two cities have grown completely together. All the land that separated Port Arthur and Fort William is now is now all one city called Thunder Bay. So my mom still lives in the same house that I was born in and the same house that she bought with my dad when, when uh, she got married. I'm the youngest of four children and I was born in 59. So, you know, she started having children in about uh, 53, 54. I think that's how old my oldest sister, I think that's the year my oldest sister was born. So there's four of us and we lived in this 600 square foot house. Okay, so this is the funny thing. My mom still lives in that house. And over the years, that house has been converted into a one-bedroom house. There's one. There's a front room, a nice washroom, a big washroom, and a bedroom and a kitchen. And that's. And then there's a downstairs. But when we lived there, there were six of us: my mom and dad, my three siblings, myself. We lived in that same house. And when we lived, when I was a little kid, there wasn't even a basement in it. So when I was about five, six years old, I, I remember them lifting the house. They lifted the house and it, not like a company came and did it. My dad and his friends and his brothers, they lifted that house and they put it on blocks and they dug a basement by hand. Like that's, that's the way you did things in Thunder Bay. They put a basement in and then they put a giant bedroom in the basement. Like the bedroom was as big as the floor plan up above, except for a little spot where the washer and dryer was. And they put all three boys down there because I have two brothers. Well, then the three boys went in the basement and they kind of redistributed the, the begin top. But when I was a little kid, when you walked in my front door, there was a tiny, tiny little room that fit like one chair and a TV. <laughs> okay, so that was there. So when we were little kids, we sat on the ground in that room and we watched TV. Well, well my dad or mom probably shared this little tiny chair, little tiny sofa, not just a chair. And then there was a bedroom right there beside it. And then you walked into the kitchen and then beside the kitchen was a bathroom. And then there was another bedroom. And then in the back, there was another bedroom. So there were three bedrooms in there. So my mom and dad lived in the front bedroom. My sister lived in the middle and, and my th siblings all lived and myself lived in the back bedroom until they built the ba basement. My washroom that I grew up in, in the, in the bed, in the house, there was only one and it had a bathtub and a toilet. It did not have a sink. So you had to use the kitchen sink to wash your hands after you came out of the washroom. Or as I saw so many times, my mother would shave her armpits in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen sink with her bra on. Saw it so many times, it's like typical. She didn't think twice about it because that's where the sink was. And then they finally built a and they finally built that basement. And in that basement, they built another bathroom with a shower. So all of a sudden we had a shower instead of just a bathtub. And it wasn't until years and years and years later till they renovated that upstairs bathroom, got rid of all the other walls up there and made it into a one bedroom, basically. It was after my dad died. So for years and years and years, my family functioned in that house with a, a bathroom that only had a, um, a toilet and a bathtub in it. And then you had to use the kitchen sink for everything else. So it was a really small house, but you know, I never felt that I was missing anything. Honestly, uh, my friends, some of my friends had two story homes, like they had a set of stairs in their house. And you know, that, that was pretty fancy to me to go upstairs to a bedroom uh, instead of downstairs to the basement. Uh, 
the school that I went to was just up the street, like half a block from me, St. Joseph's School. And my father went to St. Joseph's School and my grandmother went to St. Joseph's School. When she first came over from Italy in 1904, 1905, she went to school there for a few years. My dad only got to grade six there. He never went on. He only had a grade six education. And then he started working at the CNR. And the CNR uh, was a good job. That's the Canadian National Railroad. And uh, it was a good job because he had four kids to feed and it was a year, a year round job. He worked there year round, even in February and March when all the laborers were laid off and all the grain elevator workers were laid off and all the, uh, um, you know, anything to do with shipping. They, all those guys kind of got laid off, but, um, and you know, you got paid more if you were in construction, but you got laid off and you had to collect unemployment. So my dad always worked. I mean, he would go out there in February and March and Thunder Bay is way, way colder than, than it is down here. And uh, he did it every day. He did it for us. He took good care of us. I remember when I got my first job in high school and it used to be easy to get a job when you were a high school student. I went down to the green elevators and I got a job there as a laborer and a basic class laborer student wage. I came home and one day my dad was looking at my check that I'd made there as a summer student. And he said to me, he says, you make more money than I do. Yeah, and there I was like, you know, 18 years old. So, uh, but to him, it didn't matter because of the, the stability of it. And he, was, he took really, really good care of us. And, you know, my mom had a part-time job. She worked at A&P, which is a grocery store. And uh, she worked there in the meat department. And I think, you know, we used to get a lot of scraps of meat come home from there. She used to be pretty creative with some of the stuff she would make. We had a very scheduled kind of life, like, you know, like we had pork chops on this day and we had uh, fish sticks on this day and we had spaghetti on this day. And we had a roast, always had a roast on Sunday. Yeah, so that very, very scheduled, but she had to be. You know, she made sure our fingernails were clean and that our teeth were brushed and that we had food in our belly. And really the rest of it was up to us. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, because, um, you know, today, the, the children who might listen to this podcast, they hopefully my grandchildren someday might listen to this uh, lazy man's biography and see what it was like to be a kid. But, you know, I grew up in I was kind of a kid in, in the mid 60s and in the mid 60s, you know, you just opened your door out your front door and there were other kids out there always you just walked and joined them you went down to the playground and there were kids there were kids everywhere when i was growing up quite quite different from today quite different from today and i can remember leaving the house without supervision and being able to go for a number of hours on my own when i was five or six years old you know i'd have to check in at that time you know come back for lunch you know or come back by three and let me know where you are I, I would have some some restrictions like that on me but I could go two three four three hours away without um, having any supervision when I was five six years old and then by the time I was 10 years old I had freedom to go anywhere in the community I could take the bus I, I walked down to the lake I, I could do anything I could ride my bike anywhere in town yes at 10 years old so I think of today and I think of my grandchildren and how different the world is so uh, it was it was quite a world. It was a wonderful time to grow up. I never ever thought I was poor, but I definitely grew up poor. I never thought it ever. Most all my friends were in the same boat. Most of my friends were Italian immigrants. A lot of them are a year older than me because they when they came from Italy, they would just go straight into school without any education. So they none of them speak English in the first year they went to school. So they would just sit there and they would eventually learn English as they sat there. But then they'd have to repeat the class. 
So almost everybody I know who's like a close friend of mine, who's a, an Italian immigrant, they're about a year older than me because, you know, I didn't have to repeat. I didn't have to repeat kindergarten. You know, I could speak English. So, um, yeah, I lived in a very uh, Italian neighborhood. Uh, most of my good friends are Italian descent, uh, pure Italian descent. I'm only half Italian. My dad is pure Italian. His mom and dad were both born in Italy. My grandmother came over as a very young child. Uh, my grandfather came over a little bit older, got everything set and then brought uh, and, and, and he met her. So she would have been a teenager in Port Arthur when my grandfather, who came over from Italy later, more as an adult, came to Port Arthur and he started working at the CNR on the railroad. They had a lot of Italians come into the railroad. Uh, they, were, they, they were an important part of building the railroad. Uh, it wasn't just the Chinese. The Chinese were a big part of it, certainly, but the Italians were a big part of it. And they also brought the Italians over as masons. They were really good masons, brick workers, brick workers, so a lot of construction. And uh, so he was pure, he's pure Italian. Uh, my mom is a, a mix, you know, German, uh, Scottish, Irish, you know, all kinds of things. So, so I'm, I'm half Italian and uh, so is my wife. So we always say your half and my half, you know, we, we got one full one in there. So anyway, it's lots of fun. And that's a little bit about me and what it was like to grow up in Thunder Bay. The freedom was incredible. And, and the scenery, I mean, I mean, swimming in ponds and, and the lake and, and, the, and Lake Superior is the largest lake in the world. Very, very cold. It's not a great lake to swim in, but you go inland just a little bit from Thunder Bay and there are thousands and thousands of lakes, little freshwater lakes that are just wonderful to swim in and, and fish in and, and, and everything else. So. All right, so Yoli, I just want to make sure I welcomed you aboard. And uh, I really wanted to read that poem. And I, I just wanted to say hello and let you know that, you know, I am alive. I'm, I'm carrying on. We're in a terrible, terrible situation here. I, I, I can't, I, I just can't voice it enough how, how horrible it is. The time of madness is reaching a peak, but I am hopeful. I am really, really hopeful that the narrative is being exposed and people are waking up. I'm really, really hopeful. So if you have any comments, you want to uh, talk to me, you want to say anything, please, uh, there is a, you can email me at the IC Old People Podcast, all one word, IC Old People Podcast at gmail.com. And otherwise, um, I'm not on social media, thank God. A terrible scourge on our society is social media. I'm so glad to be off it. I've been off it for almost two years. My wife just quit. Thank God. And uh, yeah, get away from that crap. Stop watching the news. Don't believe everything you hear. And uh, stay healthy. Stay healthy. Take care of number one. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. That's what I plan to do. I'll talk to you again soon. If you listen to now, you know I love you. It's been a long time. Once I edit out all the oohs and the ahs, it's still going to be a long podcast. So thanks for listening and, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you.